I know I won't be telling you anything new when I say it's been a rough couple of years. The pandemic has deprived us of our regular rhythms, the ebb and flow of life as we know it, our social lives, and for many, not just our economic security, but family members and friends as well. It's been a tough couple of years. And just as it seems like we were coming out of everything, we had a couple of variants under our belts, and things looked like they were on the cusp of getting back to normal. The shadows of war broke out in hostile, angry flames, and we faced the specter of a world at war with devastating economic, social, and humanitarian consequences, some of which we can guess, and others that we'll learn in the coming months and years. And now the cycling church year calls us back into Lent. Now call me crazy, but it feels like the last two years have been all Lent. As the church exhorts us to keep a holy Lent in fasting and self-denial, it almost makes me wonder, what? After the years we've had? After the year we're in? Almost. Now what stops me, what prevents me from throwing up my hands and giving up Lent for Lent, is because there's more to it than that. There's something greater and deeper involved. And yes, the church calls us to far more than just fasting and self-denial in the keeping of a Holy Lent. But even these two are about something different than deprivation. On this second Sunday of Lent, I'm not going to ask you the customary question, what are you giving up for Lent? I'm going to ask you a more important question. Why are you giving up something for Lent? Not what, why? You speak in my heart and say, seek my face, your face, Lord, will I seek. If we dig back into the history of Lent, we learn that this whole fascination of giving up one thing is a very recent idea. The Western Church, of which the Episcopal Church is a small part of, has consistently talked about fasting and abstinence. Now, fasting means that you're eating less food than normal, and abstinence means not eating meat. Now, for the better part of our history, both fasting and abstinence were standard features of Lent. But even then, Lent wasn't just about what you ate or what you didn't eat. Fasting was never an activity by itself. It was always accompanied by two other things, almsgiving and prayer, or else it didn't count, or else it wasn't getting the point. You eat less food and the extra money left over is given to the poor so that they can eat. The time that you're not eating breakfast and lunch is spent in prayer, and whenever you feel your stomach rumble during the day, it reminds you that it's time to start praying again. Fasting, almsgiving, and prayer were three mutual reinforcing activities. But even these three things weren't the real point of Lent. You speak in my heart and say, seek my face. Your face, Lord, will I seek. The psalmist gets it. That's it. That's the point of Lent. Earnestly and honestly seeking the face of God, and that's the why of Lent. But even more than the psalmist, Paul gets it. 
Brothers and sisters, join together in imitating me and observe those who live according to the example you have in us. Now, what example is that? Now, he's told us a little earlier in this book. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness. And being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. That's the real example. That's what Paul's getting at. Maybe he says it best in 1 Corinthians, simple, short, and to the point. Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. That's the point of Lent. It's not about what we do eat or what we don't eat. It's not about depriving ourselves. It's about shaping ourselves into a pattern, the pattern of Jesus who taught us, who showed us what real love looks like. In our gospel today, Jesus wrestles with the realization of what real love costs. He looks down the road to Jerusalem and sees the cross as he walks that road regardless. What are we, where are we looking? What are we seeing? You speak in my heart and say, seek my face. Your face, Lord, will I seek. This Lent, what are we seeking? Is our Lenten discipline clearly and concretely pointed towards seeking the face of God, on discerning the presence of God, on molding and shaping our character, our actions, our thoughts into conformity with Christ? Now suddenly, giving up chocolate seems a whole lot safer. Because again, Paul is right. 2,000 years later and things haven't changed. Now most people aren't interested in this kind of thing. They're not interested in seeking the face of God. So many are focused only on pleasing themselves, doing what they want, and keeping up with the Joneses. But Paul, with tears in his eyes, calls us to a more excellent way. Paul has tears because there's nothing he can do to make us do the right thing. There's nothing he can do to compel us to live lives focused on the heavenly realm, on God's will and God's ways. Just like a parent with a stubborn child, Paul pleads with the Philippians to do the right thing. And he pleads now for us as well. You speak in my heart and say, seek my face, your face, Lord, will I seek. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not against fasting. I'm not against Lenten disciplines. I am against doing things just for show. And I am against deprivation just for deprivation's sake. And I am against doing things without knowing why it is that we're doing them. So whatever disciplines you're undertaking this Lent, whether it's the traditional path of fasting, almsgiving, and prayer, or just giving up sweets, or even if you're struggling with doing anything at all, I urge you with Paul's voice ringing in our ears, don't miss the point. Pattern yourself on Jesus. Seek the Lord's face. Amen.